0: So a few weeks ago, I made a video talking about how ministers of the gospel ought not to charge for the gospel and that they should not be putting a barrier up a paywall, if you will, where people will need to pay in order to hear the good news. Our Messiah died for and so. With that, there's also, however, another side to this coin. There is a responsibility of ministers to not charge for the gospel so that it can't be hindered from going forth. But there is also then a great responsibility on those who receive the gospel, those who receive. The good news, those who receive teaching, edification, etc., and and those who desire for it to go forth. You see, brothers and sisters, teachers have been appointed by God. Paul writes about how we have different roles in the body, and there's one of them that is the role of a teacher. And he says in James that not many of you should desire to become this role of a teacher. Because they will be judged more strictly. Why? Because what they teach is important. It is what is going to mold the body of Christ into the perfect bride that he is coming back for. You see, how I see the role of a teacher is imagine a wedding and you have someone who's making sure that the bride is beautifully dressed. She's got the right um wedding dress, it's fitting her, all the things are right in the wedding, everything is in place, and everything is going to be perfect for this day to go down. It is like that the teachers of the body that God has appointed is for us for to make it to prepare the bride for that wedding day that day to make sure she's ready in all the things that she needs to know, the customs, the ways of how God does things the way that you know, um, the wedding is going to be run if, whether the wedding dress is pure and holy and right, you know, like she has she has to have a garment that is perfect according to the taste of the king, the taste of God. And so if we uh, if as teachers, it is, they don't teach what the taste of God is and that taste of God is not communicated to the bride, she won't be ready for that date. And the taste of the father is obe- is his is laid out in his commandments. It's obedience to his commandments, right? So that is why this role is so important. It is the most dangerous job in the entire world, because it is not just your life that is on the line, but your soul. That's why it says not all be desire to become teachers. And so it is now this is what I'm going to talk about. It is then now the responsibility of the body of Christ to make sure that these teachers can do their jobs. It is important for us to understand the body's responsibility with regards to giving. And so heading into this teaching, we may all know that. This is a controversial one. It involves the topic of tithing and it involves many uh, hurts that many of us have dealt with in the past. You know, in the past, many of you may have been in a church where there was prosperity teaching, teaching that is false, where you had this burden to give. And if you don't give, God will not bless you. And if you don't give this and this and this will happen to you. And and we have this whole guilt thing that is often used by, by some pastors and churches. To, to provoke their uh, members to give and the heart behind it is wrong. And so you may be sitting here and watching this video with this in mind, with this, this background, this, this hurts of the past. And so I want you to open your heart today as we because we're going to go through a lot of scripture. And you, I need you to bear with me as we go through all the scripture, because I'm going to not talk as much as I want the Bible to talk in this teaching. Because we're going to see what is the teaching of our Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus Christ regarding giving. Now, to start this off, we need to address a notion regarding giving. And that is that some believe that pastors or full time ministers of whatever kind are not supposed to be receiving a salary or a or wages for their work in ministry, but rather that all ministers who are um, whatever kind of minister of the gospel should always have a job on the side like Paul, who was a tent maker on the side. And from that, they should derive their income. And there's there's actually no real biblical basis for um, pastors or anyone getting a, a getting their wages from preaching the gospel. And this idea comes from people like Paul who wrote some interesting things. We're going to look at and simply the notion that, well, Paul was a ten maker. If Paul could could work on the side instead of asking for money from churches, then what gives us a right to? We're going to now test these ideas and see whether it actually lines up with scripture and what better place to really start to understand the truth. And to simply look at how Yeshua walked, how did our Messiah do this? You know how he did it? He did it the way his father told us we should ought to do it. And so he, in other words, he followed the Torah, the instructions of his father, the law of God laid out already. And one of these laws is laid out in Deuteronomy for us. In Deuteronomy 25 verse four. We read the following, Thou shall not muzzle the ox when he treads out the corn. Now, when we read about this agricultural principle, it might leave some of us a little confused. I mean, what does it actually really mean that you shouldn't muzzle an ox while it trades out the corn? Now, you should understand that it simply means that when a, a ox is walking in the field and he's laboring there, well, it's trading out the corn and it's doing all these things that you shouldn't forbid it from actually eating of the very harvest that it is working in. Okay, so it simply means that allow it to eat. It is working too. So allow it to take some of the wages, if you will sell, of the produce for itself to eat, to sustain itself of the very harvest it works in. And really, this extends to people, too. If anyone is working in a harvest of any kind, we should be compensating them for as in a form of wages for their work. In, in other words, just like an ox actually can partake in the produce of the harvest it works in. Similarly, we cannot allow a man to teach us and edify us and and pour into us and work and labor because it is labor and it is work to bring the gospel. It involves work. It's not always easy and fun and, you know, just uh, like we do hobbies. It is hard sometimes. And so basically this principle means that if someone, is sent out into a harvest by the Father and he works among you in the harvest. And he don't allow him or forbid him rather to not take home what he works in in the harvest. And this is why we read here in 1 Corinthians 9 verse 11. If we have sown spiritual seed among you, is it too much if we reap material goods from you? Paul is adding to this idea by saying that if we are sowing spiritual seeds among you, can't we benefit from you and the physical needs that we have? Because brothers, and sisters, spiritual seed, how much more valuable is it than the physical needs that we may have? You see, spiritual seeds bring forth salvation. And we're talking about things like eternity. We're talking about things like eternal security. We're talking about important things. We're talking about holy living. We're talking about walking as a So we're talking about that, that the preparation that that bride needs to be receiving, like we talked about in the beginning of this video. How important can that be? And so for that, for those who labor in that way to go unmet in their needs. Wouldn't that be a great sin if we simply take, 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 but we never give back? Paul goes on to write that in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 14, so also the Master instituted that those announcing the good news should live from the good news. So let's just look at how Yeshua himself was provided for, because surely his model of ministry of him and his disciples should be the same model that we follow. We are his disciples also after all. And so we read in Luke eight, verse one. Soon afterward, he went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God and the twelve were with him and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene from whom seven demons had gone out and Joanna, the wife of Cusa, Herod's household manager and Susanna and many others who provided for them out of their means. And so we read about how Yeshua was provided. He was bringing deliverance, right? He was bringing freedom to all these people. And he his work was provided for not only him, but his disciples as well, that their whole team, their work was provided for by these people who they were serving and bringing freedom from. We you read about this person who was who was freed from demons and Yeshua provided that freedom and then she paid back by providing there for his needs making sure he has everything he needs to be able to continue the work that the Father has given him, the callings the Father has given him and his disciples. But I know what you may be thinking, Paul was a tent maker. Paul didn't take money from anyone. He, in fact, rejected them oftentimes. So isn't that a precedent for us to also reject people when they want to give and We shouldn't be taking. We should also just be tent makers. Let's look at what Paul is actually saying in context. We read about this idea in 1 Corinthians 9 verse 4. Do we not have a right to eat and drink? Do we not have a right to take along a sister, a wife, as do also the other emissaries and the brothers of the master and Peter? Or or do only Barnabas and I have no right to refrain from working? Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat of its fruit? Who shepherds a flock and does not feed on the milk of the flock? Do I say this as a man? Or does not the Torah say the same too? For it has been written in the Torah of Moses, You shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. Is it about oxen God is concerned? Or does he say it because of us all? For this was written because of us. That he who ploughs should plow in expectation, and the thresher in inex- and in expectation of sharing. If we have sown spiritual seed among you, is it too much if we reap material goods from you? Now let's just stop here before we read on. There are some amazing things Paul is saying here. As a uh, emissary, as a worker in the gospel, he says that they have a right to eat and drink. To they have a right to be receiving back. He actually says they even have a right to take among a sister or a wife. In other words, someone with them who also needs to be taken care of on their way. Right. When they're going out to preach the gospel, they have the right to take a wife who needs to be taken care of. And then he goes on and he says, who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Right how can you expect someone to minister the gospel and as a soldier of god at his own expense what right while not being paid to do so just like we pay our military of the world to be a military to be able to protect our countries how much more should we make sure the soldiers of the gospel are paid for their labors he says that those who plow should plow in expectation and those who thresh should thresh in expectation of sharing. You know what that means? He's saying that if, you, if we are work, if you're a worker in the, of the gospel, if you're working in the harvest, you should be plowing in expectation like that ox should be getting the, from the harvest itself, should be provided for in material needs. In the same way, then he also then says the one who receives from the harvest should receive and he should understand that there is an expectation that they should be sharing from what they receive. They should be sharing uh, that when they receive spiritual seed, they should be sharing in material things. For our sisters, this is what Paul is saying. He's basically echoing what we have been talking about earlier. But now, Gil, now he takes an interesting turn. And he says something different. Look what he says next. He says, If others share authority over you, should not rather we, but we have not used this authority, but we put up with all, lest we hinder the good news of Messiah. Do you not know that those serving in the set apart place eat from the set apart place, and those attending the slaughter place have their share of the offerings of the slaughter place? So also the master instituted those announcing the good news should live from the good news. But I have used none of these, nor have I written this, that it should be done. So to me, for it would be better for me to die than anyone should make my boasting empty. Now, Paul says something weird. He he, he's talking about all these things about how we should be, you know, be giving to those who plow and and work and all that. But then he talks and he says, but I have not taken this. I uh, even though I have a right to it. I have not done this. Why? He tells us. He says, lest I hinder the good news. Okay, so there is a reason for this. He says, I have a right to do it, but I didn't because I'm going to hinder the good news by doing so. Now, we need to ask the question of how was the good? Could the good news have been hindered by Paul taking um, any compensation for his labors? In Acts, we will get a hint of this. In Acts 20, verse 33, we read, I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. Yes, you yourself know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities and to them that were with me. I have showed you in all things that how that so laboring you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. And so Paul says that you all know that these hands have been the thing that supported for my needs. I have for looked after myself. You didn't need to do it. I have not asked for anything from you guys. And so we see that he was trying to teach the people he was addressing in this letter of Acts 20. He was trying to teach them the principle of supporting the weak. It's as simple as that. He was trying to be an example to them. And so he went as far as to say, I'm not going to take anything from you guys because I want you to understand that you need to support the weak. You need to support those among you. And so, in other words, he, you know, brothers and sisters, it could also be that he was trying to teach them principles such as, you know, imagine he enters a place where there's not many people working, a church where people are lazy. He may go forth and work. Look, guys, this is how we look after our families is we work, we labor, and then we take that and we the wages come from that and we pay for our food and we take care of our families. He could have done that as well. There are many reasons why Paul could have gone forth to work in this example for the sake of teaching a principle to the people around him. But it depended on his audience. There were times in Paul's ministry where he was a tent maker. But there were also times in his ministry when he was not. Well, he when he was actually taking from the people as he ought to, and he as he has a right to in those circumstances. Because, like we mentioned, he is well working. How can we deny someone who's working their wages? And so we read for for example in Romans 15. Verse 24, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you. Once I have enjoyed your company for a while. And so we see that Paul here is actually telling these other people, this is a different audience. I'm going to come visit you guys and I'm hoping to be helped on my journey by you. It's he's basically telling them I'm asking for an offering. When I come to you because he has travel expenses, he needs to pay for living like all of us. Right. And then we read further here in in Philippians four, verse 10. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care of me has flourished again when you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving. But you only for even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again unto my necessity. Paul is writing this letter to the Philippians and saying, no one looked after me except for you. Ye- once and yet again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. He is thanking them for looking after him. And he's saying, oh, and God will bless you for, tha- for helping me. And he praises God for it. And he, see, brothers and sisters, we see this contrast not because Paul Is against giving some people have taken some parts of Paul's writings and then said, well, look, no minister should ask for money because Paul was a ten maker and everyone should be like ten makers. They should all have jobs on the side. And surely, surely there are most of us are not full time ministers. Most of us are in the workforce like I myself was in the workforce for a long time. And and that's where I worked. And then and then in the workforce, we can still do the gospel, proclaim the gospel as we can. Right. But there are some of us who have been called out as teachers by the father who have to work like your like pastors do and other kinds of ministers who are in whatever kind of ministry. And they ought to be compensated by those who receive from them any kind of teaching or uplifting or edification. And that is why Paul said it to these people, he said, thank you. You guys were obedient by the father's voice and you looked after me. And because that the the audience of the Philippians, they didn't have a lack and needing to learn some kind of a principle that Paul was trying to teach them. As we read earlier how he did with the audience of acts, like how he tried to teach them that principle of looking after those who are weak. And so just to drive this point further, let's look at just a little bit more of what Paul writes In 1 Timothy 5 verse 17. We see let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture said, you shall not muzzle an ox that trays out the corn and the laborer is worthy of his reward. In Galatians 6 verse 6, he also write that the one who receives should share with the one who teaches. We read that, let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. And so brothers, sisters, I know what you may be thinking, you know, Petey, but what about the prosperity teachers and all those who are hungry for money? and, And and truly, truly, that's unfortunately true that there are many who are after money and in it for the wrong reasons. But what if what if we shouldn't throw the baby out with the bath water when we come free from those ideas, when we maybe see the truth regarding it, that we maybe we get someone who's ex- we see someone is exposed and we we see how they were misleading us regarding this with prosperity teaching or whatever it is. I want to submit to you that you shouldn't then go and close your hand towards who, those who are actually needing the support. Brothers and sisters, you know, um, I think what the Satan wants to do, oftentimes, is he allows us to get hurt, and then we close our hand to where it actually is needed to be open to. Right? There are many preachers of the gospel and churches and places where there is need and it is actually important for the body of Christ to give in those areas, not because we must. And it's this this burden and this 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 guilt trip thing. I'm not going to put you on a guilt trip. I'm not going to do that. And no one should. Okay, we give because we love God, we give because we we love his his body and His teachers. We give because we want His word to go forth. You see, brothers, and sisters, we read in Nehemiah how the people stopped giving to the Levitical priesthood their tithings according to the law, and when they stopped giving, the word was not going forth anymore because they were, the Levitical priesthood had they couldn't be basically full-time ministers anymore. They had to go back in the fields and they needed to, to go work again. We read about this in Nehemiah. In Nehemiah 13 verse 10, we read, I also found out that the portions of the Levites had not been given to them. So that the Levites and the singers who did the work had fled each to his field. Think about this for a second, logically, brothers and sisters. If we close our hand to ministers, They are unable to go forth doing full time ministry. They will be forced, even though they may be called by God to do ministry on a full time basis, as many are. They will now be forced back into um, everyday work, which is not in accordance to their calling because the body is not supporting them. Like we read here that happened in Nehemiah of the Levites. And what what will be the consequence of that? The bigger consequence is that our children and as well as us, as well as the society around us, will not be receiving the word of God from these teachers who were appointed to proclaim the word. In fact, now what will happen is the the words of the world will echo just louder because we have less full-time teachers speaking the words of our Father. Less full-time prophets, if you will, going forth and doing His work. So brothers and sisters, this is a big problem. And this is why in Malachi, God said, you robbed me. He's not talking about, you know, God, we, I know we hear this passage used oftentimes, you know, where God said, you robbed me in times and offerings. But I want to talk about that for a second, because it is not God who needs our money. He is not. It's not about that. God is rich. He doesn't need our money. But let's see what he actually means here. In Malachi 3, verse 8, we read, Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions. You are cursed with a curse for you are robbing me. The whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. And see, brothers and sisters, it's not about how God needs our money. Rather, it is about how he needs his people to take care of each other. It is part of the calling. It is part of the test that we have. God, Yeshua says, if you want to follow me, you need to give everything up, right? He says, give up all you have, pick up your cross and follow me. You need to be willing to sacrifice anything. And so part of the test of being a disciple is if we are willing to take care of each other, just like the first century church did. And just as much take care of our teachers, take care of those who labor in the gospel. And so the robbing of God is really if we were to close our hands towards those who teach and minister to us. So and then thereby we limit them or even disable them from continuing their work. And thereby we are actually limiting and disabling the word of God from going forth. You see, God has instituted this way for his word to go forth. He could have done it anyway, brothers and sisters. He could have just made it so that when you pray a prayer and ask Jesus to come live in your heart, that the gospel and everything is in your mind, everything you need to know, the whole Bible instantly comes into your mind and it's done. He he, he's God. He could have done that, but he didn't because he wants us to rely on each other. He made us a body each with a different role, so we can rely on each other just like the hand relies on the other hand, and the heart relies on the brain and how our bodies rely our party parts rely on each other, so we are to rely on one another. And ultimately, when we close our hand to those who labor in the gospel, we are really helping lawlessness from going to go forth. We're actually stopping lawfulness in our families, in our congregations, in our nations. And we are actually aiding the lawlessness that the world is continuously trying to push. Brothers Church, you need to understand one thing. The world is economically funding lawlessness. Think about it for a second. We have Hollywood. We have all these dangers, all these sources, institutions, organizations that are built on lawlessness disobedience to the word of God that are against his word, and they are being funded by the world to continue to spread their message. How much more are we to fund the message of the gospel? You see, it, how can we let the world fund more and pour more of the evils and the disgusting things into the minds of our children and our nation and the rest of our nation? We ought to fund. The truth, we ought to find those who who have been called to do that so that it can go forth. And this is what God says when he says, put me to the test. As we just read, he says, put me to the test and see whether there is not an abundance of blessing that I will pour forth when you give. See, what he means is if you give. Your giving will not be in vain. He says, I will make sure that where when you give, when you prayerfully give in your heart and you consider this gift and you let the Father direct your gift. He is going to make sure that this thing, this lawfulness, this holiness, this the word of God will go forth and abundantly. He will make the money go forth much better, much further than what the world's money would ever. The dirty money of the world will have nothing on the holy giving of the God's people who give and their giving will be prosperous. That is why he says, put me to the test in this. He isn't saying, put me to the test and give and I'm going to give you 10 times more and you're going to become a rich person. No, that's not what God is saying here. I know many have taught that regarding this, but that's not what this passage is about. He is saying, give and see how I will make your giving go forth abundantly. I will make your giving. Let the kingdom go forth. You see brothers and sisters. We have died to live for the kingdom of God. Everything we do should be for the kingdom. We should give and live for the kingdom. Not just financially. That's the least of it. We should live for the kingdom. And give our lives to it. You see, we're living sacrifices. That means that, brothers sisters, you know, we talk about the 10% and the tithe. And we talk about all these other things. God wants 100% control of your finances. 100% control of all of your life. And, you know, that means that we come to Him with our finances and we say, Lord, I'm going to give you control. What do you want me to give? Where? How much do you want me to give? 10%, 20%, 30%, 40%? This month, what do you want me to do if there is a need? What do you want me to do about this? And let God direct your giving and give when he says brothers, and sisters, I have incredible testimonies where God has told me to give my entire paycheck to someone and God still provided when I was back when I was still working. He provides abundantly when we give. All right. He does that. That is who who he is. He is the one who provides for our and our lacks. It is not your job who provides for you. It is not your uh, working just that provides for you. He is the one. Yes, we ought to labor. Yes, we ought to work. But he is the one who provides. And so, you know, I think it's important for us to also speak on tithing. And w- what is tithing? mean for us here i know there's a split there are many people who believe you know tithing is simply for the levitical priesthood there are many people who believe that you know tithing is not in the new covenant there are many people who believe that you know we are just to give free will offerings and you know there's a lot of opinions and then that's fine i just want to give you my take on it which is i think it's pretty simple i can tell you that tithing is not supposed to be what many have made it to be. It's not supposed to be a legalistic burden that we put on people. Unfortunately, many pastors and churches have put this 10 percent thing on the heads of people or even more and said that they need to. They are obligated to give this. And if they don't, then God will come and curse them. I have even heard pastors say that if. God, if you don't give your ten percent, God will take it out of your health, and that He will make you sick, and He will take it out of your doctor's bills. Like, that's crazy, brothers, sisters. It it breaks my heart how people can even say or think such a thing. You need to, we need to ask the question: What is this whole idea of tithing? Where does it come from? Is it applicable? What did Yeshua sure think about it? And what is is it relevant today? What what is going on with this thing? so first off, let's just look at what Yeshua, Jesus' perspective on tithing was. We read in Matthew 23, verse 23. Where you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. And so we see that Yeshua, our Messiah at the time of him being on earth, at least was not against tithing when he was addressing the Pharisees on how they tithe, but they don't do the waiter marriage. He wasn't telling them that their tithing was wrong. He was actually saying they shouldn't neglect that, but they should also do the waiter marriage matters of love and faithfulness and and walk everything out the greatest commandments, which they were neglecting. And so. But what does it mean for today, brothers and sisters? The reality is is that the the tithing idea that we read about in the Torah, in the law of God of the ten percent or you know actually ten, technically even more than ten percent tithe, was just for the Levitical priests. We read about this here in Numbers 18 verse 21. To the Levites, I have given every tithe in Israel for an inheritance in return for the service that they do their service in the tent of meeting. And so we see that tithing is only for the Levitical priesthood. The Levitical priesthood is a priesthood that not, not anyone can just walk, walk into and become by just saying a vow or doing anything like that. Rather, it is a priesthood of genealogy or bloodline. It is actually a priesthood that even our Messiah, Jesus, Yeshua could not become a part of because he was not of the Levitical line. In the book of Hebrews, we read that he is of the priesthood of Melchizedek. All right. So that means that we cannot become Levitical priests when we become a pastor or a full time minister of whatever kind. So that means that you cannot apply the law about tithing with regards to the Levitical priesthood to a pastor of a church and pastors who use the law to cause it to be a burden on their church members is abusing it when they might do it out and put this thing of it is a compulsion that the church members need to be giving 10 plus percent to them. However, what we do know is that the principle of tithing a 10% was well known even before the law of Moses was given. We see this in the next two examples I'm going to walk you through in Genesis 28, verse 20 and onwards, we read about how Jacob tithed a 10% and keep in mind that this was before Moses, before the law was given on Mount Sinai on stone or any, any of that happened before there was that solid writings. Jacob knew about this. We read the following Genesis 28 verse 20. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. So we see Jacob saying that everything that I receive of, I will give a full ten, tenth, a ten percent of, to you, Father. He he, may, he makes this vow in essence to God, and as I mentioned, this predates the law. We also have another example of Abraham himself. In Genesis fourteen, verse eighteen, and Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God, most high, and he blessed him and said, blessed be Abraham by God, most high possessor of heaven and earth and blessed be God, most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abraham, give him a tenth of everything. And so we see both Jacob as well as Abraham had these this concept of the 10th now. It's it, this means that Abraham must have passed this down the generations. And it means that Abraham must have learned this idea somewhere even before him. Brothers sisters, we need to understand. I mean, when we're talking about Abraham, we're talking about early on in the world still. And it means that this principle of giving a taint most likely comes from the garden, even just like we see. Noah um, making sacrifices and understanding the difference between clean and unclean animals. Uh, This means that they had an idea even before the law was given ideas of what God desires and what is right and what is wrong. In other words, they had orally been teaching and passing down the generations, the teachings of the father ever since the fall of man beef before it was written down, as we see by Moses. And so we need to ask the question then, you know, why did Abraham give? There were two reasons, I believe, for this in his specific scenario. Abraham's scenario was the Melchizedek priest coming to him. And Abraham was giving to this priest when this priest was giving him a feast of bread and wine. Now. The bread and the wine that the Melchizedek priest was giving Abraham, I believe, is a symbol of spiritual nourishment. The bread and the wine we see also present at the last supper, if you will, with Yeshua and his disciples, where he says, Drink of this, this is my blood, eat of this bread, this is my body of what I'm going to be doing, right? And that, that is really what it all is pointing to. And even here with Melchizedek, Melchizedek represents Yeshua. He is a picture of Yeshua because we know Yeshua later is called the Melchizedek priest too. And so just like the Melchizedek priest to Abraham was giving him bread and wine, just like Yeshua, the Melchizedek priest of us is giving us bread and wine. He's giving his body and his blood. This was Abraham giving him 10% was Abraham giving this priest thanks for the spiritual nourishment that this priest was giving Abraham, just like Yeshua gives us and he gave his disciples spiritual nourishment at the last supper and in the form of his sacrifice. And the way that Abraham was giving thanks to God was by giving it to this priest, this teacher, if you will, that was giving him spiritual um, nourishment and probably teaching even. And so, we see this is one of the first principles of, and we see this exercise even by Abraham. This is before the New Testament, before the the Moses giving the law before everything. We see this idea that when someone teaches you, you give back giving to a the priest of Melchizedek, as Abraham did, or giving to a teacher or someone who's teaching you is the same as giving to God. Just like God said that when they were not giving to the priest, they were robbing God. In the same way, when we receive spiritual nourishment from someone who God has appointed to give spiritual nourishment to others for, we are robbing God in that way. If we are able to give, yet we do not give because it is in our giving that we give thanks to God. We read, for example, in Deuteronomy 8 verse 18, but you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he that gives you power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant, which he swore unto your fathers as it is this day. When we receive money for our wages, by our job or in whichever way, we need to give a back to God so that we can remember where our wages come from. That it doesn't just come from a boss, but it actually all comes from our father. And so with regard to tithing, here it is. We have realized that there is no Torah law applicable to pastors which allow them to say there is a law that you must give me 10 percent because that law was there for the Levitical priesthood. OK, we are not Levitical priests unless we're of the line of the Levitical priesthood. Therefore, we cannot demand in that way a 10 percent tithe from those who are able to give. However. We do see before the law ever was given that there is a principle of a 10 percent tithe. There is a principle understood by Abraham, Jacob and many others before the law was given. That 10 percent is given to give thanks to God, to give to those who give spiritual nourishment so they can continue doing the work that they do. And so, brothers and sisters, this is really in line with God's heart. Giving is a free will offering tithing is actually in itself supposed to be like a free will offering because our life is supposed to be a free will offering we are supposed to freely and with joy give to our father it is not a burden it's not under compulsion this means that there is freedom in this this means that there is principles but it means that we have a freedom to be led by the spirit. But the important thing is that if we have the ability to give and there is someone who gives us spiritual nourishment that we don't just take, take, take without giving, because that would be like stealing in a way, right? That's just like anything when we take, 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 but we never give to enable someone then are we real? Isn't that like like stealing? Isn't that like robbing God for what He has given us? If God has poured His Spirit into someone, filled Him with His Spirit, and they're just like pouring it out for us, and as a drink offering, shouldn't we thank God for this person, and and His Spirit in this person, and what He's given us through this person by giving to this person so they can continue to do what they're doing. You see the beauty in this, brothers and sisters, like it makes me just tear up because when I understand this is me just giving to God again, giving thanks for what he's given me in Yeshua, giving thanks for what he's given me in this person who's teaching me, man, I just want to give with everything. And I sometimes I just want to give more than 10 percent, you know. And then please, brothers and sisters, do that, you know, And, and and please understand me. This video is not about me. Please don't uh, don't break my heart with misunderstanding me. I don't care whether you give to me or not. Like this is not about that. This teaching is not about that. I understand I'm in full time ministry, and but I don't want you to think that this is me trying to put any obligation on you or or anything like that. Uh, uh, We need to give freely where God directs us to give. And and if God directs you to give somewhere anywhere, give in that place. Don't take this video as me asking for money because I'm not in that way. Asking here. I want to just teach you this principle so that we can be blessed, so we can see the kingdom of God go forth because blood pressure. This is for our own good. When we give the kingdom of God is growing, it means that our children have a better place to grow up in where the kingdom of God and his word is going for a in a better way. We can give and see his kingdom coming. Isn't that what we're here for? Isn't that what this is all about? That this little life is like a vapor and it's going to disappear in a little while and nothing is going to matter except the growth of his kingdom and the salvation of the people of God. That is. What this is all about, brothers and sisters. And so let our giving be in that way that we give bountifully to our Father so His will, His kingdom can come, His will can be done, His Spirit can be poured out, and His word can go forth. You see, brothers and sisters, here's the thing you know, many people love to use the the tithing thing as an excuse and say that, you know, um, we don't have to give 10% because that's a Levitical law and it's for the Levites. Brothers, sisters, like I mentioned earlier in this video, God doesn't just want 10% of your life. He wants it all. He wants it all. And the thing is Yeshua's burden. What Yeshua came when he says to follow me is higher and harder than what the Torah and what the law of God ever had. Yeshua, Jesus said this. He said that the law said that if you commit adultery you commit adultery and that is that is sin right but i tell you that if you just look at a woman with a lust you've committed adultery in your heart and he says that you have heard the law say that murder is murder murder is sin but i tell you that if you just hate your brother you've committed murder in your heart if you call someone a fool you've committed murder in your heart you see he is basically amping it up he's making it he says The the law is like kindergarten compared to how I want you to live. Because the standard of my holiness is so much higher even than that. Yes brothers. Yes sisters. The law of the Levitical tithe is not applicable to us today in that way. But there is a greater principle that still is. A principle that God wants everything in our lives. That we are to be a living sacrifice for him. And that we should not hold anything back in our life. And this is not just even about finances. We shouldn't be holding anything back. If God tells you tomorrow, leave your job and move to another country and go and feed the poor there, go and do it. You know, it's about having such a sacrificial lifestyle that you're willing to give it all up for the gospel at any moment. And that means that, yeah, that means your finances too. That means that you're obedient to his spirit and you do what he leads you to do. And sometimes he's going to ask for more than 10 percent. Sometimes he's going to ask for 50. Sometimes, you know, he's going to ask whatever he asks. And the question is going to be is, are you going to be obedient or are you going to be like a rich man? Because see, brothers, the problem with the rich man was this very matter. Yeshua wasn't telling him to go and sell 10 percent. Yeshua told him to sell everything and follow him. You hear that? Yeshua didn't tell the rich man to give 10% to follow him. He asked him to give everything because that's where his treasure was. His heart's treasure was in his possessions. That's why God told him to do that. But see, the whole thing of the 10%, we get stuck on the 10%. It's just a starting principle. And those of us who are unable to give, who who don't have the financial means at all, there is also no burden to give a solid 10%. We ought to give as we are directed in our hearts. But if you don't know, if you want a starting principle, go with 10%. Because that is an easy starting principle. And sometimes God is going to ask for more and sometimes you may not be able to give 10% sometimes you may only be able to give less and that's okay too but give as he directs be led by the spirit to give to those who are filled by the spirit and those who are even not even those who who are poor or who who don't know God sometimes God will allow you to tell you to give to someone who's out on the street who doesn't know him as a show of God's mercy for God to come to that person. God can ask us to do anything. The question is going to be Is will You have you given everything up in your heart? Because it's a hard matter. Have you given your heart sold out to God? Or are you still holding on to things? And brothers and sisters, what I found is when we hold on to things, those are the very things that God wants us to get rid of. Another example is while well, Abraham gave a tenth like we just read. He also was willing to give his son. You see, brothers and sisters, over and over and over, we see this idea. It's not just about the 10th Abraham. Yes, he he did the 10th. That was the principle that he said he would live by, but that was not the end of it. He went as far as to be willing to sacrifice and give his own child to the father. And so brothers and sisters, surely there is more to be said regarding this matter especially with regards to terminologies and theologies regarding it with, you know, some of you may still think, you know, it's a, a tithe is this is the definition of a tithe. I and mean, I'm only or you only think you're only supposed to give a free will offering or, you know, and, and let me just say whatever it is, that is that is fine. OK, with regards to terminologies, call it a tithe, call it a free will offering, call it whatever you want, the glory to God. But the important thing is that you do give and give your heart first bountifully and the contents of your heart bountifully to the father. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Prove your relationship with God and your lack of attachment to this world and the things of this world by giving bountifully, by giving what you can, where you can, as He directs and leads. By giving to those who sows spiritual seed into you. And brothers and sisters, by this, we will show the father that we are sold out. That we are not like the rich man who will walk away and say, I I can't do that. Or that we won't be like if Abraham was to say to God, God, I'll give you everything, but I can't give you my child. Abraham was willing to give everything. And that's how we are to give our Messiah gave everything. And if we are to be his disciples, we are should are to be willing to give everything to all the disciples gave everything. And he asks the same of us. My question to you today is, will you give him everything to. So, Father, I pray, Lord, that you would come and work in our hearts. Help us to be willing and able to give everything. Help us to give you the contents of our heart, Lord, so you may work in us. Lord, help us to build your kingdom in whichever way, whether it is financially or in other ways. Help us to support it and grow it. Lord, help us, bless us and enable us to be able to give to the kingdom too. I pray for a bountiful blessing financially over your body. For those so that they may be able to give maybe some Lord I know there's some who who want to give, but they can't because they feel they don't have enough to give. I pray you would bless them and enable them to give, Lord, I pray that you would aim, enable ministers who are suffering because to 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 be to be able to receive for their needs and be provided for, help us to not be like what happened in Nehemiah, how we so how they stole from you. Because they didn't give to those who you appointed to preach the gospel. Father, I thank you. We will not be like that. But we will see those appointed in the gospel be able to be provided for their needs. And we'll be able to see your gospel go further than before. Because we are obedient in this way. Father, thank you for all you give us. And that you bless. And you are the provider. No one else. Not a boss, No one else. You are the provider. In the name of Yeshua. Amen. I hope this teaching has blessed you and encouraged you. May God bless you and keep you. Consider subscribing to this YouTube channel for more teachings like this. Consider liking this video and sharing it with your friends for the truth regarding this matter. And I ask you that if you don't know if this is the truth, please prayerfully consider this before the Father and ask him whether what I taught and said in this video has any truth to it. Shalom. i